As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Voice. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Join Josh and Chuck, the guys who bring you Stuff You Should Know, as they take a trip around the world to help you get smarter in a topsy-turvy economy. Check out the all-new Super Stuffed Guide to the Economy from HowStuffWorks.com, available now exclusively on iTunes. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to High Speed Stuff. I'm Ben, here with our auto editor, Scott. Scott, how are you doing? Outstanding, Ben. Thank you. Hey, thank you for uh, for dropping in today. You used to live in Michigan, right? I did. Okay, now I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I know we're not a geography podcast, but uh, a lot of lakes around there. A lot of lakes, yeah. Lot, but the big lakes. Is yeah. yeah. A lot of boat owners. Oh, everybody's a boat owner up there, up there it seems like. Uh, I don't know. With as many lakes as are around, it kind of makes sense. I mean, it's kind of like... Uh, well, of course, there's a lot of motorcycles too. But I'm saying, if you, if you've got a you know a boat, there's definitely a place you can take it to uh, to put it in the water. Okay. Now, did you ever own a boat? I have not. No. Okay. Probably wondering where we're going. Well, how with about this. you? Did you ever own a boat? Not yet. And it's so interesting that you yet. would ask me this. Yeah. Yet, you say. Well, because for me, for a long time, the idea was, you know, we're here in a landlocked area. You know, uh, no real large bodies of water. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. So it didn't make sense to, for me to get a boat, and even if I did live, you know, in Michigan or on the tip of Florida or something, uh, I would still have to buy a separate thing. And you know, being as cheap as I am, that kind of turns me <laughs> off. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I understand. I've heard though that I can kind of hit two birds with one stone and maybe get a boat that is also a car. Now, mm -hmm. now, wait, okay. Now, before I see that look you're giving me. Yeah, you made me grumble a little bit there. Oh, all right. Well, let, let me try the question. Two questions to start off. Mm -hmm. um, first, are those real? They are real. Amphibious cars are Amphibious real? Amphibious cars are real. Sure, you can drive right out onto the lake if you want. Not like military stuff? Uh, no, no. At least yeah. you, could, you could pick one of these up. They're, they're not standard production vehicles now, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, there was a time when they were. Okay, so this isn't even a new idea. No, it's not a new idea by any means. No, they're, they're amphibious cars that go uh, back 
you know, predate uh, 1900s. Very old, old amphibious cars, you know, very uh, rude, not, not rude, but crude designs, I should say, yeah. rude designs. And um, there's several of them throughout history. They get progressively better and better and faster and, um, you know, just more advanced, I guess. And uh, some travel on top of the water, some travel below the water. We'll talk about those, too, if you like. Yeah, I, um, I'd love to. Yeah. All right, well, one, one that we have an article on our site about is the Gibbs Aquata. Oh, yeah. That's, okay. that's one that, uh, that kind of stands out in my mind. Built by Gibbs Technologies. Um, it's a, they're calling it a high-speed amphibious or amphibian technology, or HSA, they say. Okay. Um, and it, it, what it does is it just transforms into a boat. You drive into the water, and the car, within four, I think it's four seconds for this transformation to happen, but uh, within four seconds, it transforms itself into a boat. Pulls in the wheels, you know, there's a, a water jet that propels this thing. And uh, you're you're off. That is so cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. You got me with transforms. Yeah, <laughs> transforms. Yeah, and and it. though we, we though we were talking about the precedent and how there have been different amphibious or attempts to make amphibious vehicles. Sure. Th- this sounds like a new one. Uh, yeah, this is pretty new. They're um, like I said, they go back early eighteen or late eighteen hundreds, I should say. Um, but this one is relatively new. It was uh, I think it was debuted in two thousand three. Is when when uh, the article said that it came out. Wow, okay. Um, so, and it, again, you know, it's it's pretty advanced. It's nothing like what you may have seen in the past because I've seen these little tiny ones. We'll, we'll talk about these in a little bit too. Mm. Uh, there's something called an Amphicar. Okay. It looks like a very boxy, um, like an old 1960s vehicle that, you know, it looks just like a car that you just drive in the water. Nothing really happens to it um, other than, you know, the propellers actuate instead of, Instead of the the wheels to drive the vehicle, uh, um, everything's already in place. It doesn't transform like the Gibbs does. Okay. Uh, so, again, getting back to the Gibbs, you know, we're kind of getting our head, ahead of ourselves here because we'll talk yeah. about all this when we, in a moment. But it does have a, you know relatively standard engine. It's a V six two and a half liter engine that has one hundred and seventy five horsepower, and it has a top speed on land of about a hundred miles per hour. Really, not yeah. too bad. Yeah, that's not too bad, really. I mean, they say that it's a I think they said it's a good average sports car is how they, they um, classify it or they sports call it. Sports car, huh? Yeah, they said a sports car, which is pretty impressive, really, because it's also a boat, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top speed on water is around 34.7 miles per hour, which isn't terribly fast for a boat. But, right. um, from, you know, from the reading here, it says that it's apparently enough to pull a water skier. Well, there, yeah. you, there yeah, there's, you go. Well, there's seating for three in this one, too, which is kind of unique. Uh, the driver sits in the middle. Mm-hmm. There's two seats on either side of the driver. Uh, one is for the skier. One is for an observer. You have to have an observer in the boat. You can't have. Uh, yeah. You can't pull a skier without that. And um, I guess apparently it has enough power to pull a skier. That's awesome. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And it does plane on top of the water. It takes about five seconds for it to plane. Um, so it needed a lot of power to do that. And they had they, they developed a new water jet technology for this car. Uh, it's a very lightweight, uh, very efficient jet. I think it weighs, I think they said 88 pounds, which is, you know, yeah. pretty low weight for something that does what it does. And as we know, weight is one of the key elements for for efficiency, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that, yeah. But uh, this jet propulsion system is, uh, apparently it's pretty advanced, pretty pretty high tech. It needed, I think it said one ton of thrust in order for it to yeah. plane like it does, and, and it uh, gets up there. Do, do we know how how practical this is you know mm. you know i hate to ask and i guess i'll put this out there and then mm. maybe we should go to the history before we get to this it, sure it sounds like the gibbs aquata especially with the the transforming technology uh it sounds like it's uh what what's the phrase scott built on the on the shoulders of giants right <laughs> yeah that's right it's uh, i'll tell you practicality 
you have to you have to kind of weigh a bunch of different factors here. Um, the cost of this thing is relatively high. Okay. Uh, the cost I, I do know the cost. It's around two hundred ninety five thousand dollars. Oh. Yeah. So it's expensive. It's not yeah. it's not a cheap car. Uh, it's not a cheap boat. So okay. I was going to ask how expensive uh, yeah. the boats. Well, are. I mean, uh, you could buy a pretty good sized boat for that price. I would think. And now, when you're talking about cars that you could buy for that price, you're talking mm-hmm. like Lamborghini, Ferrari. Porsche GT2, I think, was another one that was mentioned, and Aston Martin Vanquish. Uh, there's, you know, some of these really high-end exotic sports cars mm-hmm. you can buy instead of this. You can't drive them in a lake, but um, right. you know, I guess that's the uh, the benefit is that you're able to, you know, dual purpose this thing. So the idea yeah. is, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll no, let no, you go, go, but it's it's really not a um, it's not a terribly practical car for everyday use, of course. Would you say it's a novelty? I would, I would. I'd say it's a novelty because I mean. You're not going to spend three hundred thousand dollars on a car that you expect to drive to and from work every day, mm-hmm. and also use it for weekend play, you know, fishing, uh, skiing, whatever it would be. Just you know, run around the lake. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't think it's terribly terribly practical. Well, what are some? Let's let's see. What are some uh, some drawbacks? And as we said, the main benefit is is possibly the only benefit. Well, yeah, that. I mean. You, I guess you could say if if you are going to get this this thing, okay, um, the benefit would be that you know well of course you can you have the freedom to drive into the lake of course that's one. Sure. Uh, the second benefit is that if you're going to have a boat anyways, and you want it, you just want something that will do that you know for, serve that purpose, uh, you don't have to trailer a boat I guess. That's um, a really good point. Really, the 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 advantages are to me seem very slim. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drawbacks may be a little bit higher, and one is the cost. Um, of course, right. it has a very high cost. I guess you could say it has reduced performance. Um, you know, it, it'll still go 100 miles per hour, but yeah. you know, it's a, again, it's a nearly $300,000 car. I would mm-hmm. expect to maybe go a little faster than 100 miles per hour. Um, still decent, reasonable yeah. performance. Maybe the next thing. I, I'm just thinking about maintenance too. I think mm. maintenance might be difficult. Of course, it's got a boat hull underneath that's uh you know relatively solid piece i'm sure that maintenance on this thing is not easy yeah because it's boat Um, maintenance and yeah that's right yeah and especially if you're in salt water um i would think that salt water would be rather corrosive to it but now in their defense they did say that um the the gibbs was tested in 2000 hour salt spray test which is apparently four times longer than uh, standard automobile is tested uh, for salt spray corrosion that type of thing mm-hmm. so i guess it's very uh um you know it'll, it'll stand up to a lot to the elements sure well it's reassuring to know that the manufacturers have anticipated that possibility oh, of course yeah you'd have to the builders point to the fact that you know most of the earth is covered with water i forget the percentage but um yes, that's true they say that you know this may kind of uh, transform the way we think about travel but uh, i'm a little bit more skeptical about that i mean really the only the only thing that it might be good for is if you're going to try to drive from point A to point B across a small lake mm. um, where, you know, you don't have to worry about extreme waves or, you know, or really currents, things like that. You're not going to drive against currents, I don't think. Um, you could, I suppose, if you're on a, on a river. Sure, but there'd be energy costs. Sure, of course, yeah. Um, you know, it's just saving yourself the trip, you know, over to the bridge to get across or, you know, Maybe if you're on an island, you might want to drive yeah. from one island to the next. That might be kind of fun. That's a good idea, but right. you would have to take the uh, you know the ferry that everybody else has to get on. But then again, I wouldn't want to. Uh, I wouldn't want to get myself out in the middle of um, you know an ocean or um, sure. some type of sea where you know what if you had mechanical failure while you're out there? You're you're floating in a car that mm. um, I, I don't know. It's just kind of like a boat where you, know, you have to you, you weigh those risks. Yeah, and I guess we should we should also point out too that we are not boaters. No. So perhaps t- 
to other people who are boaters mm-hmm. that the benefit of that is is higher oh. in their minds. Sure, yeah. I'm sure we've got a skewed yeah. view of it because we're not boaters. So um, yeah, we have to take that into, into account. Sure. Maybe maybe they would love something like this, and it's a great idea. And uh, but, but for me, the practicality thing, I, I just don't see it. Well, and certainly people have thought it's a great idea for some time. Mm-hmm. Scott, I, I've got to tell you, I'm on the edge of my seat about the history mm-hmm. because it's it's weird to me. Honestly, it's it's very strange that if this idea, even now, is considered by some people, experts such as yourself, to be impractical, then why why do we keep trying to do it? And what have what have we learned? Now it's interesting. I mean, the the thought of driving onto the water. I mean, it's it's pretty cool idea, really. Yeah, I and mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Really, I, w- I would love to be able to drive my car into the water and have it operate as a as a boat, mm-hmm. um, but. I don't know. It's just not very practical. I mean, especially with the car. Well, everything we just talked about. We don't yeah. need to go through that whole list again. Sure. But of course, people are going to continue to try this, just like they do with the uh, the flying cars. Remember, we had that conversation yeah. about the flying cars. Yep. We uh, we d- we determined that you know it's great if you're the only one that has one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's slightly different with this one. The drawbacks are, are similar, though. You know, there's mechanical problems. You know, why not make a great car and a great and a great boat mm-hmm. uh, versus making a combination that's maybe okay in both aspects. Okay, um, I see. What just like saying. we said with the with the uh, flying cars, yeah, um, you know, make a great car and also make a great airplane, and you know, maybe that's how you handle it. Well, maybe it is, but I just I, I can't I can't let this part of the topic die without pointing out, my friend, that if I you know very well that if I had either a flying car or an amphibious <laughs> car of of any type, mm-hmm. uh, both you and, and probably we could even talk Jerry into hopping in. And riding with us. Oh, yeah. It would be fun. You would it, want to drive. It would be fun. I wouldn't want to own it. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. You, and you would like to own it, do you think? I think I think maybe I would. All right. All right. Well, there's, there's plenty of opportunity, I guess, if you want an amphibious vehicle. There, there are several that have been you know, in existence throughout, you know, well, throughout history. Yeah. We can go through just a quick list if you'd like. We'll do it fast. Um, sure. We'll tell just, me. Just quickly run through these. I've yeah. got notes on some of them, but others we'll just, we'll just list. Uh, these are from the article. The first one is the – I'll pronounce – I'll screw these pronunciations of of course uh magrellan amphibium from 1899 which is considered to be the first amphibian amphibious vehicle uh made in denmark uh then there's a triple sg6 in 1937 uh the hydromobile in 1942 uh-huh. then there's the amphibicar which was built in 1961 to 1968. That's the one that um, I'm familiar with. We've seen a lot of. I've actually seen a lot of those around. Yeah. Um, there are collectors that uh, you know, of course, collect these cars, and they have little outings where they go to the lakes and drive around. And there's several of them in Michigan. Really? Uh, yes. And um, interesting little car. They have a, they have a bit of it look like a 1957 Chevy, really, mm-hmm. but a smaller version of it. That that kind of look, you know, with the fins in the back. It has two propellers in the back. They're nylon. And um, it's just got a, a small little four-cylinder Triumph engine, um, British-built engine, mm-hmm. 43 horsepower. So the top speed on land mm-hmm. is only about 70 miles per hour, which is not bad for this kind of car. Right, yeah. And um, the top speed on water is only 7 miles per hour. Ouch. Because it's, it's not um, – doesn't have the dynamics of a boat. You can, you can just tell when you look at it. It's, it's very flat in the front, so they're just pushing a wall of water the whole time. It's a car that can go in water. Yeah, that's right. And okay. this one, the thing about this is it has doors that go extend below the water line. So it has double seals. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently it's watertight, but I don't know if I buy that or yeah, not. Yeah, it seems I think, like a bad move. Yeah, I think so. 
Uh, the Gibbs that we talked about earlier, that yeah. um, no doors. You step right into it like a boat, much lower. You know, mm-hmm. it's easier to get in, to get in and out of. Maybe, you know, not easy, but easier. So mm-hmm. um, that seems to me like a better design. Uh, okay, we'll get back to our list here, but um, there's there's a fifth one called the Ren- Renault Raccoon, which is built in 1993, and the water top speed is around five knots, which is about eight miles per hour. So not much better than the Amphibicar. Yeah. And then there's a couple more that I have notes on that weren't in the article. The first one I want to mention is the Rin Speed Splash, which is kind of a cool thing. That's a um, that's a hydrofoil. Which uh, I, you raised, were telling me about this? Yeah, one. this one raises up above the water, like two feet above the water. Again, transforms. You know, the wheels pull in. The uh, this, this prop extends into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fin on the back of the car kind of lowers behind the vehicle to become the rear foil. Um, it's really a cool execution of this of this design. I mean, the, the way it, the way it transforms into this hydrofoil car, yeah. and of course when it's going, I mean it's it's pretty fast. I mean it's uh, how fast? Top speed on land is 124 miles per hour. Are you kidding? Top speed on water is about 50 miles per hour, which is not bad. That's, Are you serious? Yeah, 50 miles per hour on the water is pretty fast, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean it feels fast. Uh, the last one I want to mention is uh, again that was just a concept car. Oh, Rin Speed concept yeah, car. Yeah. Here's another Rin Speed concept car called the Scuba. And what's unique about the Scuba is that that goes below the surface of the water. Like a submarine? Like a submarine. Yeah, it's like a car that turns into a submarine, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. What, how <laughs> Do we have any stats on that? Uh, we have. Yeah, sure we do. Um, well, first of all, inspired by the uh, 1977 James Bond film, mm-hmm. um, The Spy Who Loved Me. Mm. And there was, a, oddly enough, another Lotus, of course, Lotus Esprit. That was, you know, a popular sports car at the time. It's an electric car, which is kind of unique. Oh, we um, like that. It looks a lot like it looks. It's it's a Lotus Elise, really, is what this car looks like. Okay. Uh, the current Lotus Elise vehicle. So again, it's an electric car. Once it's underwater, it uses two props in the rear, like uh, you know, two two screws, I guess you call it, twin mm-hmm. screws. And then um, it also uses two jet drives at the bow of the vehicle, which is kind of unique as well. So it has both prop and jet drive. And then yeah. the vehicle has its own onboard oxygen system to supply oxygen for the driver and, and passenger, uh, but it's open top. But that transforms, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, and the body <laughs> panels are carbon nanotubes, which I don't know anything about, but I'm saying it here because I read it. Uh, carbon okay. nanotube sounds impressive, and I'm sure it's uh, you know lightweight, of course, and mm-hmm. probably floats and all that good stuff. I right. I think they're supposed to be lightweight and very... Uh, the, just the at, at a very small level, the structure is very stable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I if I remember correctly, makes sense. Makes I believe sense. it. Um, anyways, there's not much more about that. But again, really? it's another concept car. Just some ideas. But there's still, and that was uh, that one was revealed at the Geneva Motor Show in 2008. So you know these are pretty current. They're uh, yeah. they're still doing. It. I mean, from you know turn of the century, the, you know the turn of the 19 mm-hmm. or 1900s rather. Uh, I don't know why I'm having trouble with it. <laughs> Turn of the 20th <laughs> century yeah. uh, through right now. You know, Scott, I guess you're right. That does for now wrap up what we're talking about with, with amphibious cars. But listen, man, I have to I have to put in a one point of contention here. So flying cars are out unless yeah. you're the only one with them. Mm. Amphibious cars are impractical. You know, this makes me want to skip any podcast about cars that can go into space. <laughs> <laughs> if a car can go into space, I might look into that. That'd be interesting. But uh, we might look terribly in, yeah. dangerous. 
Terribly dangerous. Yeah. Okay, so what about the blog? Yes, we do have a blog, and it is the High Speed Stuff blog, and it's on the homepage. It's easy to find. Uh, but what it really does is it affords the, the listener or the reader an opportunity to interact with us because, you know, that, that's a place they can get go to leave feedback, and we get it almost instantly. So, um, again, it's fun. Just leave some feedback for us. We enjoy it. Up to date on the latest. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully up to date latest automotive news. I try yeah. to, anyways. <laughs> Definitely. And to all our listeners out there, thanks again for tuning in. If you have any suggestions or ideas for an upcoming podcast, please feel free to send us an email at highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.